New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Could you benefit from meeting on a regular basis with a small group of individuals to learn and grow together? Circles of friends and co-workers are meeting faithfully in living rooms, office cafeterias, and other venues. One might ask the question, what makes these circles so fruitful in the lives of those who participate? And how does a personal investment of time and attention on a regular basis build well-being for all members? Today, we'll learn how to start a circle of your own and how to maintain its integrity and mutual support with our guest today, Dr. Lauren J. Oliver. Lauren Oliver received her PhD in clinical psychology from UCLA and her baccalaureate degree from Harvard University. She currently provides coaching and organization development consultations for leaders, businesses, organizations, families, and individuals. She was co-founder with Dr. Simmons of the California nonprofit Support Group Network and is the co-author with Bonnie Burstein of Circle Culture, Tools for Cooperative Work. Join us for the next hours. We explore tools for a more collaborative and cooperative society with our guest, Dr. Lauren J. Oliver. I'm speaking with Lauren at her home by remote connection. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much, Justine. What a warm and wonderful welcome. And I'm so delighted to be with you today. New Dimensions has been in my life for a long time, and you bring so much wisdom to the world through your work and so much opportunity for all of us to reflect on what we can possibly become as individuals and as a society. Thank you. Oh, how very, very sweet of you to say. And I'm, I'm just so excited to be with you. I've traveled with you around the world, so to speak. I mean, we've been in Toronto together. We've been in Salt Lake City and just recently in Chicago at the Parliament of World Religions. And that's where I first met you, I think, at the Parliament. And it was so wonderful to meet you there and to now have this relationship with you. And I'm so excited about the work that you were 
we're doing in spreading circle culture. I mean, it really is truly profound work and changing our paradigm. So what I'd love to talk about, first of all, is where your beginnings, when you first thought about team building and circles, and where where did it start for you, Lauren? What a great question, Justine. Um, you know, just one quick uh, thought. I always begin circle by centering our time together. And so I'd love to do that with you for a moment. And I'll just use a brief quote that has always inspired me and inspired my work in circle. And then I will turn to your question. So my quote is, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So said Margaret Mead, so is the work of New Dimensions, so is the work of Circle Culture. So, you know, when I was a child, Justine, um, my brother, my youngest brother uh, of five children, was born with special needs. And his presence in our family definitely changed our family because it was very important that we paid attention to his special needs. And I saw very quickly there were a couple of other children in our neighborhood who also had Down syndrome and who, some of whom were very um, rudely teased and left out of the children's games and so forth. And right away, my compassion for my brother and other people with special needs was born and sharpened. And I think that always gave me a perspective on paying attention to who's being left out and who's being included and brought in. And when I was in high school, I lived in a widely white uh, environment, and there were only a few black children in the school. One was a very tall and rather large girl, black, young black woman, who was from the nearby Air Force base. And she came into the school and she had no friends and she would sit by herself at lunchtime. And sometimes she would just roam around. Well, I began to sit with her at lunchtime because I felt that, you know, this is not right <laughs> for someone to be sitting all alone and having no one there for them. And then when I got to college, um, a friend of mine early on decided to do a survey as part of a research uh, program that she was in to see what were the main concerns of undergraduates, particularly freshmen at Harvard. And what she found was that many felt that they were the one mistake at Harvard, that they should not have been selected, that they did not belong 
that they were not adequate to the requirements for that school and that environment. I found this shocking, and so did a group of us who decided that we would start a peer counseling program in the freshman yard and particularly aimed for freshmen, but we knew that that, that sense of being not enough and being uh, not really belonging was more widespread than just in the freshman class. So I've just been drawn in those ways and in others to how can we make the playing field equal? How can we give everyone a chance to voice their concerns, speak from their heart, uh, feel a sense of connection and belonging? And um, is there a way to make that happen? So actually in that peer counseling program, of course, it ended up mostly being the team of us who started the peer counseling program and, and met regularly with our advisor and with one another that felt like a real circle. But when I got to grad school, then I discovered circle. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was kind of lonely. You know, it's always lonely moving to a new town and starting in a new school. And, you know, who who do you know? Who do you talk to? Well, a friend of mine said to me, I think you should check out the open therapy circle. It's, it's called radical therapy. It wasn't really therapy per se. It was a group environment that was started by people who'd been trained in transactional analysis and who knew that the, the loneliness that so many people experience is, is a, a very unhealthy state and that we need community. So I went over to this meeting and I was really amazed, Justine, because there were people of every age and <laughs> type. And um, I mean, there was a woman who was 77 years old, you know, talking about how she'd struggled with retirement. Uh, she was feeling pretty lonely. There was someone who had just started college and who was scared that they were going to flunk out. There was a girl who was working as a house cleaner in the local neighborhood, uh, just people of all walks of life. And they spoke openly and directly to one another. And I was very impressed because I've not always been comfortable in circles or groups. You know, I, I feel often shy in a group and it's not easy for me to just speak up. But I found it easy there because others were just speaking so openly. And that really turned my head. It made me realize that my wish, not only to be a clinical psychologist, but to be a community psychologist and build community that this was a model I wanted to take forward. So that was really, those are the starting moments for me. Oh, how wonderful for you to have that experience of such a diversity 
in that that early circle in your graduate years, graduate school years. And so it begs the question, what was it in that circle that fostered safety that people could feel that they could just share of themselves? Wow, there were a number of aspects that I think worked in that direction. One is we did center the circle. And so that just gave a moment for everyone to get present. And then we would do check-in. So everyone would say their name, maybe say a little bit about how they were feeling today or this evening. Um, if they had some wish to talk about a concern on their mind or on their heart, and they would be able to take some time for themselves to talk about what was up for them. And that itself led to time sharing. Usually the facilitator would say, well, would you like five minutes or would you like 10 minutes to talk? So people would actually sign up for time. And that meant they could have the floor for a little while without any interruption. And that also meant there was a chance for everyone to ask for what they needed. So I, I want to go more deeply into that because that's a really major part of circling. But I want to remind our listeners, I'm here with Dr. Lauren J. Oliver, and she is co-author of Circle Culture, Tools for Cooperative Work. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, and that is circleculture.us, circleculture.us, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Dr. Lauren J. Oliver, and we're talking about Circle Culture, which is the name of her book that she has co-authored. So we're talking about timekeeping in a circle for those people who have never had the opportunity to really speak uh, their, their hearts and what's on their minds. They might just go on and on and on. And if the circle is going to meet for a couple of hours, and let's say there are seven people in the circle or five people in the circle, well, they could take up the whole 
<laughs> hour or so. So, <laughs> so tell us about the critical part of circling that you mentioned and brought up, and that's the part of timekeeping. Yes, yes. Time sharing, usually, um, I would say way back when, the facilitator would keep track of the time. But we would actually use a board, and people would put their name and put the amount of time that they wanted to have to speak. Now, we always use a timekeeper as one of the roles, one of the leadership roles in circle, so that... When I'm getting close to the end of my time, someone will give me a minute or a 30 second cue to say, okay, time to wind it up. Um, you're getting close to your time. And then I can do that so that I don't run over. And so I can step back and leave time for other people to speak. Because it's true, Justine, in so many groups we're in, there will be monopolizers who just go on and on and on. Or there will be people who just have a different agenda. So they may try to interrupt us and tell us their idea instead of what we wish to express. And then also, there are always people who feel more shy and who won't burst in to a conversation to get a chance to speak. And if they don't know that they can, they too can have time, they can ask for time, and that that will be respected, they don't have to fight their way in, then again, there is an equal playing field for people to take their turn and speak and be heard and be listened to. Recently, when we were together in Chicago, I learned a new term for that, and it's time guardian. I really like that term, a guardian of the time. And there was someone who brought in a little application that you can get on your your phone, your smartphone, and it just does this really sweet little chime <laughs> and it, it's, it doesn't like disrupt the whole circle, but it does give people the idea, oh, that time has flown by. I know that for myself, maybe I'm talking and I don't keep track of time. So I appreciate getting that little reminder. Uh, so that's one thing. And I know that you mentioned something about being shy and many people are are not used to really speaking up and having that invitation. So having everyone, I want to talk about two things, about having everyone have a time to speak and really encouraging people to do it, even if it's just in silence. If they don't want to say anything, that silence is okay too. As people get used to having that space of time for themselves in whatever way they want to use it. And secondly, the idea you have already mentioned about leadership and a facilitator. So I want to talk about both of those two things, if you can hold that both and in your consciousness <laughs> and your answer. Wonderful. Yes, yes, wonderful. Well, you know, again, with time sharing, I, I don't have to sign up for time if I really don't want to. But 
with it being modeled around me that most people are taking some time to say what's up for them, then I become comfortable. So maybe the first time I go to circle or the second time, I may not quite get there. Although even in check-in, I am asked, what is my name? And usually what is what's going on a little bit about what's going on with me? What mood am I in? Or sometimes we use the phrase inner space. And, you know, so asked about how you're doing right now. Some people uh, talk about, give us a weather report of your inner weather. Is Inner weather. I love that. I love that. That's a good one. <laughs> and then actually, um, one of our colleagues, Leslie Lanes, introduced me to the rose, the thorn, and the uh, bloom. And so I can talk about what's going on in terms of What's some new thing blooming? What's a thorn that's kind of poking at me? And, you know, really get that sense of the whole rose that's in my life and that I can share the both and. That's lovely. Yes. And as for leadership, yeah, you know, we have several roles that we regularly ask people to volunteer for. In circle. So facilitator is one, and that person really wants to keep things moving because we do have a several step process that is predictable. So that when I come to circle, it will essentially take a form that happens the same way each time. It'll be different because we're all different and we bring different experiences, but As I mentioned, we start with centering and check-in, and then we do volunteer for leadership, for shared leadership, and then we do the work in circle. And after that, we clear the air, which I can speak of a little later, and we always end with appreciations, acknowledgement, gratitude. We want to leave with the, the fullness of our hearts in, in expressed with care and um, joy. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Like in shared leadership, in my experience, let's say we ask at the end of the circle, uh, is anybody going to volunteer? We'd love a volunteer for next time. Right. And then let's say I raise my hand and I say, okay, I'll volunteer. And what I might do is I might send out in between time thoughts on the next time we meet, I'd like for us to focus on this, whatever it is, and and maybe come up with some sort of focus and get an agreement from the group or maybe a couple of focuses so that the group say, oh, yeah, let's do that. So that we have uh, an agreed upon focus for the next time we meet and a facilitator might be volunteering to give some thought 
to that. That's a, a very helpful way for a facilitator to to bring the group's mind, shall we say, together even before we begin our meeting. And I would say in most ongoing circles. And so there are open circles that are drop in and anyone can come. But then there are also closed circles, which are a certain set of people who've decided to meet in my in my experience, usually once a week or once every two weeks, so that there's really solid continuity. And as you say, you different people volunteer as facilitator, and they often will send an email out to others to remind them of what's coming up, uh, what date and time. Usually, it's the same day and the same time of day often the same place, but it may rotate to different homes. And a theme is is often referred to or a quote for people to think about. And then people bring what's what's up for them also. And in probably one of the longest running circles that I've been in, when I moved to Humboldt County and we started a circle there, and it's still going. It's, I believe, in its 18th year. I'm no longer living there, but I stay in touch with them. And we developed kind of a list of topics that we wanted to um, discuss. And so we would plan on making time for one topic or another. Oh, that's wonderful. I just want to disclose uh, I'm part of two circles, both of which are closed circles and they are they've been meeting for over 40 years one is for 46 years the same people and the other wow. one just under that uh same people uh for all of that time and the history that we have created together is spectacular i mean uh, the trust and the uh the knowledge we have of each other and supporting each other but i i'd love to for you to say something about because you mentioned open circle and closed circles yes open circles okay that's that's a bit of a challenge when you say open circle and i think about different people coming in and there's not a continuity of the same people. There might be a lot of the same people, but then there are new people kind of coming in and it it has its challenges. Say something about that, Lauren. That's a big topic, I think. It is a big topic, Justine. And of course, at the Parliament, where we were just in, in Chicago, there were a number of open circles held. Um, it is challenging to keep continuity. But on the other hand, there are many people who have not yet experienced being in a circle. And they may not be ready to say, yes, I want to be in a circle now. I want to start a closed circle for myself and with my, you know, my good friend, Justine, let's us do it. Um, so, they may, you know, being in a circle, experiencing it is so different from hearing it talked about. There's just no way to describe it when it's just being described. <laughs> Sitting in a circle 
it has that synergy of energies between people, that sense of, wow, there's common ground between us, even if we come from different geographies, different backgrounds, coming with different intentions we discover the common ground and it's it's so it's very powerful actually to hold open circles as a place for people to learn about circle to get an experience that they may well want to continue i'm here with dr lauren j oliver and she is a co-author with bonnie burstein of Circle Culture, Tools for Cooperative Work. And if you want to know more about the work, please go to our website, circleculture.us. That's circleculture.us. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Lauren J. Oliver, and we're talking about circle work and circle culture, the name of her book. Um, I want to just say we were talking about open circles, and you mentioned like recently we were in Chicago at the the two of us along with other members of a circle that we're part of for over 20 years now, which is called the Millionth Circle. That website is millionth. TH, like in the hundredth monkey, millioncircle.org. And when we were there, we participated with several circles that were open circles. And I noticed that like sitting down when I went into a small circle and there were four of us in the circle and out of the four of us, two had never been in circle before. And they just fell right into it. And what I have to say about that is maybe going back to the 70s when people were getting together, especially in women's circles. as Consciousness as, raising circles. Yes. Yeah. There is, in my opinion, Lauren, there is a zeitgeist. There is a culture now within our larger culture of circles so that when people come together, there is, um, as Rupert Sheldrake, uh, the biologist might say, there is a morphic field that they're tapping into because so many people have done it for so long now, they just fall right into it. So those open circles are maybe not as difficult as they used to be. Uh, is that your experience? Yes, I think that's really true. And um, well, you speak of the million circle, and I'll just say that, you know, I I was involved with circles and starting new circles for about, oh, let's see, probably 10 years. And then I had son. I was working full-time on a more than full-time kind of job. 
And for a while, after a while, I had to let go of some of the circles work I was doing. And then after another 18 years, I moved to Humboldt County. And when I first got there, I read Jean Shinoda Boland's book, The Million Circle, and I read her book, Urgent Message from Mother. And I was just like, of course, this is what I'm here to do. <laughs> so I haven't been doing it for a few years. Let's get back on it. Although I did really love working at the Toyota first plant in the U.S., the Toyota had teamwork. And there I saw amazing teamwork that we didn't do it just like I do circle now, but there was a lot of room for a consensus, for every member of a team to talk, for joint decision making, and a lot of responsibility placed on each individual, and they would bring any challenges they had in the workplace to those conversations. And, and what I saw there, Justine, was that there was a lot more uh, honesty and respect than in many work environments. Mm. Their safety was a high priority, and it was lived. <laughs> and Quality, building quality for the customer was another high priority and value. And again, it was lived. People were invested in making their teams safe and in doing quality work and in working together that they, they could not do this work by themselves. It took a team. It took teams. It was, it was an amazing experience for me to work at that plant for 10 years. I was head of training and organization development there. I'm the one who got to learn so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, Lauren, you mentioned safety several times. So let's talk about oh, how yeah. is safety created in a circle environment? Very good question, because it's so important. Justine, when we start a new circle, the the very second meeting, we, we talk about it in the first meeting, how important confidentiality is, and that our basic agreement is what is said in circle stays in circle. And that now let us prepare in our second meeting, we will talk about and make a decision jointly about what does confidentiality mean in this circle? Because each of us will have somewhat different idea of what we need in confidentiality. And so we want to create what is essentially the most conservative definition of safety so that you will feel that your needs are met around confidentiality. I will, and everyone in the circle will feel that their own needs are being met. And that is the first decision we make as a circle. And that is the first agreement and commitment we make to one another so that we begin to see that with making agreements with one another, holding confidential what we say in circle, and 
that we really believe that each of us has needs, unique needs that we can meet in circle. It's not a zero sum game. It's not going to be all about meeting my needs and not yours. No, there are ways for us to work together to meet everyone's needs. We really believe that. And it's not about being needy. Mm -hmm. No one is regarded as needy. We are human beings that normally have needs. So safety, it will get tested periodically. So maybe um, I remember one circle I think it was in the fourth meeting, a woman came in and said, you know, I need to talk about an old habit that I have. I realize that I gossip. And that means that sometimes I talk behind someone's back. And I realize when we talked about confidentiality in the circle, I was rather afraid of making the commitment to hold confidentiality. And, you know, I have done so, but I want to talk about this habit that I have had of gossiping because I realize it is not serving me and it is not serving my friends, my family, the people that I want to build trust with. So she talked for quite some time about how her habit of gossiping had had developed and and what she was going to do to halt that and make that change in herself. And she asked for us to help her, to talk with her, check in periodically about how she was doing with that. And, you know, just by her bringing it up made us realize that all of us can slip and can say something out of turn, but it reminded us we wanted to not do that. And just briefly, also a couple of weeks later, one woman said, you know, I realize that often when I'm talking to my children or or someone about essentially what is the moral of my story, sometimes I want to be able to refer to a story that one of you told. And I would like to know if I could have permission to tell your story if I don't use your name and I don't use any, you know, reference to qualities that might help someone know who you are, but rather to be able to use your story to show what's possible to someone else. So we had, again, another conversation about what does confidentiality mean and under what circumstances might it be modified so that we can share the wisdom that we've gotten from Circle. Oh, that's so beautiful. What a wonderful example of how it can move and shift our agreements and they expand as the needs expand. But this brings up, I think you mentioned briefly the phrase, uh, clearing the air. So, yeah. so yeah. if we, if we do have some conflicts where I think grow up as a uh, conflict aversion society uh, in some ways, well, maybe not so much these days, but <laughs> in 2023, <laughs> but 
But anyway, here we are clearing the air. Where does that fit into circle work? You know, I, I think you're you're right. We still have essentially a conflict averse um, society in the sense of do I tell my friend? Do I tell my family member? Do I tell my close others what's really going on if I feel that in some way their behavior is keeping me from meeting my needs or being true to myself? How do I speak up about that? And first of all, it's very important, and we talk a lot in circle or periodically in circle about being both respectful and honest. So we actually have some very specific communication tools that we use. And one of the first that we um, introduce is requests. I make a request. Can I safely ask for what I need? And when I do that, no one else is required to respond or required to do what I'm requesting. But they could say, sure. So if I request, you know, I need a walking partner. I used to be walking every day and now I'm not. And I'd really like a walking partner. Please let me know if you're up for walking once a week or a couple times a week, because that would really help me get back to my walking habit. So I make my request and then I just wait and see if someone is able to make some kind of response that will speak to my need, but no pressure. Then confusion and um, misunderstanding can quickly occur. It, it it does every day for us humans. So I could say, I have an unclear feeling. And I can, it could be anything from, did we agree that we're going to meet at um, Leslie's house next week? Or are we going to meet at the library again? So it could be a very practical confusion that I'm feeling. Or it could be... Um, Angela, when you spoke, I felt like I might have interrupted you and I, I, I might not have heard the end of what you were saying. Could you tell me again your key point? So I might ask because I want to make sure I understood what Angela was saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I want to remind our people I'm here with Dr. Lauren Oliver, and she is the co-author of Circle Culture. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Dr. Lauren J. Oliver, the co-author of Circle Culture. And we're talking about bringing up requests and when we have confusions. And I want to tell a story of where I did it badly. Mm. I mean, really badly. But it was a legitimate concern. I was really, I was in a, it's, this was my basic women's circle. And, um, I became very aggravated through time by one member in the circle because she consistently came late. And even when she was in the circle, she consistently kind of laid back and sort of slouched and and didn't show uh, in our body language an appreciation of deep listening or that she was even present. And it really bugged me. And we actually were very simpatico in that circle and had come to lots of different moments of, of really agreement with one another of how we viewed life. And out of the blue, I just said in the circle how that bugged me, just yeah. without any warning. Yeah. Without any permission, without any anything. You can imagine what that felt like mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, it was shocking to her, so much so she left the circle. Wow. And yeah. uh, I wanted yeah. to say an addendum. We now are very good friends. And in fact, she has been a guest on New Dimensions. And I <laughs> so appreciate her. So all is forgiven. But yes. there's there's an example of yes. something that's really bugging us in yes. a circle with another person. So how do we bring it up in a safe container? Yes, very good question and wonderful, um, humble example. So I used to say, ask permission. Basically, we let a person know that we'd like to do a clearing with them. And we usually name it. So, for example, say I have a hunch. So I might say, you know, Justine, I I have a hunch. Are you willing to hear it? So it's just like knocking on the door. When you don't just burst into someone's room or their home, you knock on the door to say, can I come in? And usually the person will say yes. Now, sometimes they might say Gee, I'm I'm just feeling so under the weather. I can't hear anything. Can can we talk tomorrow on the phone, you know, and set another time. So then when I get the okay that I can share my hunch, I'll say, you know, I have a hunch that you're ambivalent about being in the circle. I feel distressed and even like not valued when you come late. And when you sit here and you're you're so laid back, I I get fearful that you're not really listening or wanting to be here. So I'm wondering if you can validate a grain of truth to my hunch. 
That's such a wonderful way. If I had done it that way, she might have left the circle anyway. She might have really discovered, oh, there's a grain of truth there. I'm really not present. And I suspect that that was a grain of truth in that situation. So thank you so much for that. And I, I want to also talk about uh, beyond that is what I call, there's, I call it developing a circle stamina. Mm, <laughs> you know, mm. in other words, when we are asked to deeply listen to one another, we're not trained for that. There, no, we really, we, we are coming to that without a lot of personal training and just like, like a marathon runner, it doesn't start off running full speed, you know, several miles a day, you know, we've That's got right. to, to train ourselves for deep listening. And I know you have some advice as to how to approach that. Thank you, Justine. Yes. You know, This book, Circle Culture, Tools for Cooperative Work, lays out 12 sessions to start your circle. And what I say is, you don't need to go somewhere or pay someone to start your circle. You can do it yourself. And with shared leadership, you do it. And this book also gives you tools that unfold over the first 12 weeks because Yes, we do have to create stamina. We do listening exercises. We do exercises about what are my values? And then later, you know, about four weeks later, we look at what are our values as a circle. The tools for clearing the air, we introduce just one each session. We can't bombard ourselves with so much new information because as you say where did i get that training did i get it in my family did i get it at school no so this is a different set of skills that most of us have not had an opportunity to learn it takes some time it takes some commitment but i believe in these 12 sessions we build the basic mastery and stamina and a sense of cohesion within the circle that gives us the confidence that we can learn and grow together, that each of you in my circle is important to helping me become the best I can be. Because that's that's what I that's what I want in life. I want self-knowledge, self-awareness to become my best. And then I want to use my talents to help and support others to become their best. And then often, not only is the cooperation developing and growing stronger within the circle, but sometimes after six months or so, somebody will say, hey, there's a multicultural event coming up next month. Let's do something. I think we could do a really exciting event there. And so then we start cooperating on a project that takes us out into the community and creates some supportive structure in the community. But until we learn that set of cooperative structures to share with one another and and really learn to practice them, it's hard to bring it out somewhere else. I also believe, Justine, that we are building the tools for democracy 
in a circle. Shared leadership, that's a basic idea of democracy, not representative, you know, electing someone else. No, it's that we participate in sharing our voices and putting our ideas out and then coming to some agreement about, okay, what can we do together to make that exist, to bring that possibility into flowering? I love that. And I just want to underline that your book really outlines all of this. So I just encourage people to look it up. And I'm reminded in what you just said of our New Dimensions Manifesto, the personal and the planetary are connected as we expand our awareness of mind body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so will the world be changed. And it's like that Margaret Mead quote that you started this whole program with, yeah, that it is small groups that really make the change. I don't want to leave our conversation without having you say something about Closing the circle with appreciation and praise and really how how important that is to mm, our gatherings. Mm. Indeed. Thank you so much, Justine, because, you know, most of us walk around and we engage with people and we'll feel like, wow, that was so smart what she just said or Oh, how kind he is. I really appreciate that. Or, you know, what a delicious meal she cooked up for us. Or, you know, there are so many things people do and so many ways people are that we value. But we live in this strange society that puts scarcity, the the um, fable of scarcity, so front for us all that we have stopped saying out loud the appreciations we have and what what a loss for the positive the love the connection that we do feel so i realize it's it's a skill that we we need to rebuild and that often it feels very awkward to share an appreciation. And especially after a while, we say, okay, now appreciate yourself. That feels like, oh, wait, that's uh, bragging and I'm being arrogant and, oh, I should never do that. But wait, how can you notice your own best qualities that you want to repeat, that you want to do again tomorrow? So... Saying appreciations out loud is is just, it's a gift. It's a gift. Let us give the gifts we have. Oh, thank you so much. Lauren, I want to thank you so much for being with us on New Dimensions today. You've been a gift to us with all of your <laughs> insights and wisdom. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Dr. Lauren J. Oliver. She is a co-author with Bonnie Burstein of Circle Culture, Tools for Cooperative Work. And if you want to know more about her work, go to circleculture.us. That's circleculture.us. 
or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3,798. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.